behind the back, wrap around, and climbing the ladder is Dante Hall. Sexton. Step back. Good! Patty at three. Oh, he's a flamethrower! What a shot! 6-3. It's good! It's good! It's good! Colin Sexton made the floater! They'll review it! But oh mercy! Colin Sexton may have saved the season! Tigers set to trigger it in. Smart gets it into Watford. Threw it away! He'll run it down in the backcourt. He will take it to the top of the arc. Watford three at the buzzer blocked by Herb. The putback, no! The buzzer sounds! And Bama hangs on! Oh my goodness! Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast, a basketball podcast designed solely on covering Alabama basketball. I'm your host, Jordan Harper, the head basketball analyst for Tide Illustrated of the Rivals Network. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at HarperNation24, and you can go over and hop on and get a subscription to Tide Illustrated on Rivals. Now, you know, the, obviously popping with some football news, Kalen DeBoer being announced as the head basketball or head football coach, sorry, um, of the Alabama Crimson Tide, as well as catch me on the message boards and with some articles here and there about Alabama basketball. Things are starting to get rocking and rolling with Alabama starting out 4-0 and in SEC play. I'm going to cover the Missouri game. Um, and then I'll kind of just hop in and cover the Tennessee game coming up this Saturday, which is the biggest game that they've had since that three-game gauntlet of Purdue, Arizona, and Creighton. So let's just hop right in. Alabama gets a huge win, 93-75, to with the winter apocalypse happening, not knowing what the home crowd's going to be like. And Greg Byrne did the right thing, opened it up more for students, had the students going across the baseline, basically, um, extended so you you saw more students in the TV camera and there was over 3,000 students there so bravo bravo to the the students on campus braving the elements going out and seeing some good basketball and it just looked like a good crowd overall everybody kind of got to scoot down closer to the court looked good aesthetically on camera on the TV and Alabama, you know, it was a closer game than what people might have thought for majority of it, but Alabama went on a ridiculous run that I'll get into here in a second to put Missouri away 93 to 75 to start out 4 and 0 in conference play. So Alabama scored 93 points after only scoring 36 in the first half. It was it was tough sledding there for a little while. Alabama I believe had eight turnovers in the first half, just played really sloppy especially at the end of the half. they I know Sam Walters turned it over, trying to do a crossover move with about 30 seconds left. Missouri got the ball, hit a shot at the buzzer, and ultimately made it a 36-34 game and a half. And Eric, Mark Sears ended up rolling his ankle. He, he didn't play well before that anyways. He was, I believe, two of seven from the field, or one of seven from the field, only two points, and had three turnovers also. So it, it was a really up-and-down stretch for Alabama in the first half. You, you saw Missouri make several tough shots early on to kind of pull out to a six-point lead. You had Nick, Sean East, who is their best player, in my opinion, hit some really tough 
mid-range jumpers early. You saw Nick Honor hit a couple threes. Tamar Bates led them in scoring with 19. And let's just kind of hop into hop into the box score here and start out for Missouri. Sean East only had six points, which was very surprising after the hot start he had. Made his first two shots, hit a couple free throws. But Alabama did a really good job of keeping him away from the basket and cutting him off on his drives because that's really where he makes his makes his bread and butter is on on the way to the hoop, either dishing it off or making really tough shots at the rim. Um, but he was making some really good fadeaway mid-range shots early on, uh, but could, really couldn't get it going after that. Nick Honor had 18 points, hit hit four of nine from three. Seemed like every single three he hit was preventing an Alabama run. So he was he was kind of annoying and pesky for Alabama, especially in the second half. And then Tamar Bates, who is a guy that I actually made a, a YouTube video on, I believe it was three or four years ago, I guess. It was right when Nate Oates got there. He was one of his first offers out of high school um, in Kansas. And I really liked this kid and – Ended up at Missouri, scored 19 points against Alabama, 7 of 8 from the field, 4 for 4 from the free throw line. Just a very efficient ball game. And then Noah Carter had 13, and that was really all the scoring that Al- or Missouri had was from three guys. They got t- 10 points off of um, off the bench from Jesus Carolero Martin. I was worried I wouldn't be able to pronounce that tonight, but I did. So – Missouri scored 75 points and really did a lot of their damage in the second half. But kind of going down to Alabama's box score, kind of dissect that, Rylan Griffin, incredible game. Incredible game, especially second half. There was a stretch in the second half where I believe he had nine points in about two and a half, three minutes, had a steal um, as well, played obviously really good defense all night and then Aaron Estrada had 21 points, 7 of 14 from the field, 5 from 5 from the free throw line. Alabama went 20 of 21 as a team from the charity stripe, 95%. That's where games are won at the charity stripe. You make your free throws. Make the easy ones. But they also went 13 of 27 from 3, 30 of 57 overall, which ends up being 17 of 30 inside the arc. Very efficient game for Alabama. They scored 34 points in eight minutes. That's over two points per possession. That is absurd. Absurd. And what's crazy is, if you noticed, Mark Sears was struggling the second half. Mark Sears finished with nine points. He gutted out seven more points that game and had six assists. But at 7.58 in the ball game, it was 59-53. to 53. And Mark Sears checked out of the game. He just couldn't go anymore. Mate Oates saw it. He was hurting the team. So he pulled him. And after that, Alabama went on a 34-20 to run to end the ball game. Just incredible, incredible fight from this Alabama team. You probably saw in the, during the game, and if not, a lot of the media will make you see it, of Nate Oates shoving a – Missouri player, which in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I've, I've been a coach before, it wasn't that bad. Yes, you're not supposed to touch an opposing player. Yes, I understand it's wrong. Yes, I know Nate Oates knows it's wrong. 
But it wasn't egregious. He was just trying to get him out of the huddle. And it was a heat of the moment thing. So I don't fault Nate Oates for it. He really stands up for his team all the time. He's willing to go out and trash talk for his team. And apparently he's willing to shove an, an opposing player. I mean, it. you have to draw a line somewhere, but I don't blame him. And it's a heat of the moment. He apologized for it. Him and Dennis Gates are cool. He, they go way back. So, you know, they, they end up reprimanding him today publicly. So pretty much a slap on the wrist saying don't do it again. If, they, if he does it again, which I would be very surprised, he would probably get a, a nice fine slash suspension um, if that happens. So after that moment, and then after Grant Nelson got a technical for blocking one of their guards on a jump shot and talking a little bit of trash, not much, a little bit, they gave him a T for that, but didn't give Nate Oates a technical for pushing a player. Just really odd, really odd officiating as it's been all year and historically in the SEC. But after those two instances, Alabama made a run. So these guys have an edge about them right now. They're not chippy. But they have an edge. They play with an edge, which is something that they really need, considering sometimes they get in these lulls and these droughts, specifically at the end of the first half every single game. So they just need a little bit of pick-me-up. So they talk a little trash and um, do, do what they can to kind of get that edge back that, that they lose during the games. Yeah, Grant Nelson had a fantastic game. I thought he had the highest plus-minus at 24 he had 13 points, eight rebounds, three assists, two blocks. Played excellent interior defense, I thought, um, on Noah Carter and Connor Vanover. Connor Vanover was pretty much abysmal. He only played nine minutes, being seven foot five. He's not going to play well. He's not a Zach Eady to where he's dominant, so he has to stay on the floor. But at seven foot five, he he can't he can't run with Alabama and play in the the five out. He just can't. Nick Pringle had 10 points. I thought he he played really scrappy. He, he only had one foul all game, which was very, very unlike Nick. But he played very disciplined. And Nate Oates spoke on that after the game to where him only getting one foul is huge for this team. And that's why he played 27 minutes because he never got in foul trouble. And Muhammad Wagee only played five. And if that's going to be it moving forward, Nick Pringle is the perfect guy to play in this offense not because he can step out and shoot a three or hit a mid-range jump shot even, but he has the athleticism to be a great great rim runner, play in the dunker spot, always be in there. And that he laid up and got and ones on. So he shows the ability to be able to do that on a consistent basis and not get in foul trouble. He's going to be averaging those 25 to 30 minutes a game. So it was really nice to see that from him as well. And Latrell Ritzel, I touched on him in the last game um, against Mississippi State. 11 points, hit three more threes. He's just going to be that guy. He's going to play 25 minutes. He's going to be a spark plug to where he comes in, he hits a few threes, sparks a run, and really picks up Alabama at certain times. Him along with little Mo, Muhammad Diabate, he comes in, he's an energizer bunny. And he fights for offensive rebounds. He gets fouls called on him because he's aggressive on the boards. And those are the type of guys you need. Those are the type of guys you need on the bench. It was a very starter-heavy lineup for Alabama tonight. Only two guys off the bench played double-figure minute, double minutes 
and that was Jaron Stevenson with 11 and Latrell Ritzel with 24. Everybody else in the starting lineup played 25 or more. And the only reason Sears only played 25 is because he got hurt. So it probably been more for him and less for Ritzel if that didn't happen. So just a little bit of an overcap or over overview of the recap. Alabama shot 52% while Missouri shot 49. So Missouri did shoot it really well from three and from the field goal. They shot 38% from three also. Um, but Alabama dominated the boards 35 to 23. I thought that was a big part of the game. And Alabama showed that they had 30 made shots on 18 assists. That lets you know that the ball's moving on offense. And while I said that Alabama's offense didn't seem that good, is because they didn't score a lot in the first half. It seemed like the ball got stagnant there for a little while. There were stretches where they would just hold the ball, look for somebody to get open, weren't really driving it with conviction, weren't looking to shoot and or get out and run. But at some point, I believe it was around the third, 12 or 11-minute mark, Dennis Gates – it might have been a little bit later than that. I believe it might have been the eight- or seven-minute mark after that under-eight timeout. Dennis Gates went to a, a zone. You don't go zone against Alabama. You just you just don't. Latrell, or Rylan Griffin hit a three, then Latrell Reitzel hit a three, and then Rylan Griffin hit a three, and then he got a steal, came down between the legs, made a three again. Next thing you know, it's close to a 20-point lead in just a blink of an eye, all because you went zone and allowed Alabama to get their their ball movement and their shots up in a timely manner. So Alabama should thank Dennis Gates for going with a the zone there for that short time. It really sparked Alabama in that run, and they did not turn back. So Alabama only turned it over 13 times. I say only because they started out in the first half with eight, so they didn't that didn't balloon into the second half really. And overall, everything looks about normal. Obviously Alabama's free throws were a big part and Missouri, they shot the same amount, but Alabama was still plus five in free throws. Not that that would have mattered, but still going 20 to 21 um, really kept Alabama in the lead throughout the game. Cause they, they get, they did get fouled a good bit. Now, Alabama moved to 4-0 in conference play and kind of checking out the Kim Palm rankings for Alabama. They moved down tonight. They're number eight now after the games from tonight. They were number seven yesterday, still with the number one offense in the country. There's no one really close to them in adjusted offense. Produce 124.4, Alabama's 125.4. And, you know, I saw a, a very interesting tweet that, Eight of the ten last ten teams in the country that finished with 125 plus adjusted offense, eight of them went on to the Final Four. I believe four of them won the national title. That one I, I, I can't vouch for, but I did see eight out of the last ten that finished with that went to the Final Four. So that's the good omen for Alabama. They have to keep it up, obviously, but their offense is incredible. Adjusted defense is down to 64 now, which is really, really good uh, for them. And 32nd adjusted tempo. And then just kind of go into the net rankings. They're Alabama's number five in the net, the number one SEC team in the country. And 
They're two and four in quadrant one, two and one in quadrant two, and then eight and zero combined quadrant three and four. And I looked it up in the top fifty Kimpom. Alabama has played seven games and they're three and four. That's incredible. So what that shows me is that Alabama has played the most or most of the top 50 teams in the country out of anybody in the SEC. And they also have the most wins of anybody in the SEC among the top 50. Alabama plays a tough schedule, and they're being rewarded with it right now. Won their sixth game in a row. Heading into a huge matchup on the road in Knoxville Saturday afternoon against number six, Tennessee. Now, Tennessee is a very intriguing team, and they used to not be, in my opinion. They used to not be. Of course that they've... They've won a lot of games. They went on a stretch like Alabama. They played Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina and lost all three of them fairly close. So it's very similar to Alabama in that regard. They just don't have the losses to Clemson or Ohio State on their on their resume. They do have one against Mississippi State, which I guess you could throw in that same category considering they're kind of all ranked together in Kim Palm and Net. But they're very similar in a lot of ways where Tennessee has that win again at Wisconsin early on, and then they had the win against Illinois at home. So they have two very high marquee wins in those two. And then they beat Ole Miss, who, you know, they're, they're ranked in the AP top 25 or whatever, but they're outside the top 50 in Kempom. So it's not a great win. It's a really solid win, and it's at home, so it kind of takes away from it there. But they do have solid wins. They've played a really tough schedule out of conference as well. But when I say that they, they're really interesting now, it's because Dalton Connect has been on fire. On fire. I mean, he just scored 39 points um, against Florida, scored 36 the game before at Georgia, and then 28 the game before that at Mississippi State, albeit in a loss. But you throw in a scoring threat like him on a tear like he is, put him with Zagai Ziegler, okay? put him with Adu, put him with the team that they have around them with the defense, specifically the defense. Just let him go out and score. He doesn't have to be a good, good defender. He doesn't. But you put him there with Vescovy and then Josiah Jordan-James, and then Adu, who's had a really good year so far. I mean, this team's offense, like offensive ability kind of goes to the next level. Now, they're not they're not great offensively. They have they are top 25 in Kim Palm and adjusted offense, but they are number two in defense adjusted. So that's a really good combination to have. And with their offense on the rise like it has been, mainly because of Dalton Connect, it just makes them to be an even scarier team than what they are already are. So Alabama travels to Knoxville to play them, I believe, at 1 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. The big question is, how is Mark Sears' ankle? 
Is he healthy? If he's not over 75% healthy, I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't play him at full strength. It's a long season. It's only game five, and he's your best player. So you need to watch him. And I'm sure Alabama will already be a six, seven-point underdog, if I had to guess, being on the road. But I would be careful with Mark Sears. If Mark Sears is healthy, this could be a really good game, and it's a game that I think Alabama can actually win. Now, we remember what happened last year when Alabama traveled to Knoxville. It was tough sledding. Tough sledding. So, I don't know how they're going to react. Playing Mississippi State, and then Missouri's not on that level, but playing Mississippi State already and – kind of going up against their toughness and their physicality, and they still scored 82 points on them at Mississippi State. It's a good measuring stick for them to how prepared they are to play Tennessee, but Tennessee just has so many more athletes and shooters than what Mississippi State has. They don't have a, a Tolu Smith inside, but Josiah Jordan James and Adu are very, very capable players that they're going to have to look, watch out for. But it's going to come down to what are they going to do with Dalton Connect? Are they going to double him when he goes to drive? Or that's what he's going to look to do. He's going to look to get to either hand, drive it, get fouled, or go up, shoot a mid-range. Alabama let him shoot the mid-range jump shot um, until he starts knocking them in their knocking it in their eye over and over and over. But what they're going to do to him is going to be very indicative of how this game plays out, in my opinion because there's no other player on this team that can really carry them offensively like can, Connect can. Adu and Ziegler have the ability to, this season to score 20-plus points or close to 30 even, but Dalton Connect's going to be the guy that I'm focusing on, obviously after his last three games. So kind of looking at some of their statistics – um, Dalton Connect obviously leads their team in scoring with 18 and a half, with Adu and Ziegler followed right behind at 11 and 10. Uh, Jonas Adu leads them in rebounds at seven and a half, with JJJ just side Jordan James behind them at seven. And then the assist man, Sakai Ziegler, obviously. Um, good to see him healthy after the, his season ending injury late last year. And he plays incredible defense as well. Pretty much everybody on this team does. I believe that's three, six, seven players with nearly a steal a game. That's pretty incredible on one team. So Alabama's got a really tough, tough game coming up on Saturday against Tennessee, and then they come right back home afterwards and play arch rival Auburn, who I believe ended up beating Vanderbilt tonight, which isn't surprising. And then they'll have another game this weekend to where they could be on a 11-game win streak going into Coleman, which, you know, Alabama fans are going to come out for that game, and Alabama's going to want to break that streak. It seems like every single year there's either a streak on the line or one team's doing a lot better than the other, and when they go to that other team's home gym, it turns upside down. So that could be another game that, that happens in Coleman 
to where I could see Alabama snapping that streak, or I could see Auburn coming in and taking care of business as well. They're another team to where they only they've only faced two teams all year in the Ken Palm top fifty, and they're one and one. They lost to um, lost to Baylor, and can't remember who they beat, but they they're one and one. They've only placed played two teams in the top fifty, so that they're still yet to be tested really, and that's going to be another game to where they'll definitely get tested by Alabama. It's going to be a contrasting of two styles. So I appreciate everyone listening again. Please like or subscribe to this podcast. Follow me on Twitter at HarperNation24. And go get a subscription to Tide Illustrated. Hop on over there. It's it's popping right now, like I mentioned, about Alabama football news, obviously. But we're right in the thick of things in basketball, man. We're covering basketball every single day, especially me. And I should have an article coming out about a recruit that I just covered or I just mentioned on the last episode that visited Alabama over the weekend uh, against Missouri, Michael Michael Brown Jr., a 2025 five-star point guard that could potentially reclassify to 2024. So be on the lookout for that coming out in the next few days. Again, my name is Jordan Harper, head basketball analyst of Tide Illustrated of the Rivals Network, and you've listened to another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. Until next time. Adios.